Welcome to Remnant Voice Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode brought to you by Pastor Jason Armstrong. For more information on this episode and other podcasts, please go to remnantvoice.tv or email info at remnantvoice.tv. What's up, Remnant Nation? Welcome back to the Remnant Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Armstrong, Associate Pastor here at Summit Church in the beautiful Smoky Mountains of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Um, this episode, guys, is episode number 41. And before we get into that, I want to say I uh, apologize for the delay. There had actually has been a, an attack on our podcasting host. Um, the host we use went un- posted on Twitter um, about... Uh, well, a little more than a day or so ago now, um, but there there was a, a, a DDoS attack, uh, DDoS. It's a part of their servers, and and hard, I don't pretend to know any of all of that stuff, but I know enough to know that um, you know the the attacker was trying to just you know increase the traffic and spam the, the spam the servers to to cause the traffic to crash or cause the servers to crash, and. Um, and so no no personal data or anything like that was was damaged. It was just uh, these hackers were trying to you know hold some things ransom. It seems like um, with our with our hosts, but nonetheless, uh, you know everything got um, you know has come through the other side now. And so uh, we're getting this out um, still here on Tuesday, but just a little bit uh, a little bit later than it normally is. So anyway. Um, this episode is episode number 41, and we're going to be doing a, a teaching here um, on on becoming a gardener in the good land, a gardener in the good land. And um, this this comes, we actually did this teaching uh, around this time back in 2019, but I really uh, have been revisiting this, and it was just, there. I felt like there was a fresh wind on this to actually see it in function, and if we can... As a, a collective body, as 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 the 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 remnant people, if you will, that's out there, uh, that's hearing these teachings and equippings, um, can grab a hold of this and start stewarding the land um, that they're in, stewarding the territory that they're in, and and I'll be doing some more teachings on that a little bit later, um, but this is this this teaching is about how to go from inheritance to to occupying that land of promise and so you know the the israelites were given the the promised land a land called promise that was a good land a land flowing with milk and honey and pomegranates and and and, and everything um, but there were some steps they had to do in order to to possess the promise, and there were some some things that they had to dispossess from the land in order to inherit the land. And so there's some some amazing parallels for us today in that. So that's what we're going to be talking about in in, in this episode. But again, I want to thank everyone for continuing to lis- listening um, to this podcast and sharing it, leaving us reviews. Uh, um, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing all that. I'm seeing the emails and and, and just, just the support, um, not just here in the U.S., but throughout the nations. And so we thank all of our international listeners uh, right now. I thank all of you um, out there for, for listening and sharing and, 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 and just becoming part of this this remnant family and joining us in this uh this conversation if you will in this t- time of teaching and training and we've got a lot of exciting things planned i know i keep teasing all this but i'm telling you it's just in the right timing of things to to, to come out um i did do some interviews with some fellow uh friends of mine they had me on their shows and those will be coming out um 
And I'll give you some more updates on that uh, later on. But, uh, you know, Chris Mitchell Jr., he's one that um, from Kingsgate International, uh, he had me on his uh, uh, show and uh, and we did a had a, just a wonderful time of of uh, going back and forth. He's a, he's definitely a, a brother from another mother. Um, you know, we, we, we joke about it, but um, quite a bit. So be looking for that. I'll share more about that. He's going to be on this podcast as well. And uh, once his stuff is posted, I'll share it in here um, as well um, on top of interviewing. I've got another uh, one coming up around the 1st of March. I'll be um, a special guest that'll be joining me um, as well uh, from the House of Prayer in Nashville and a few other things. I'll just leave it at that. Um, So anyway, uh, this message again, gardeners in the good land, learning how to the process or the steps necessary to actually occupy the territory that he that has been promised to us what land has he called you to inherit what place has he called what promise has he given you that you haven't seen the fullness thereof yet um you know it's time to start co-laboring with christ to see that promise manifested in your life and there's steps necessary to do that and and we've got to be co-laborers and not co-lazy and so we get into that in this teaching on how to become a gardener in the good land so now we'll get right into this teaching and i'll be back with you next week um probably with part two of this uh gardeners in the good land message so anyway remember that god has a remnant that remnant has a voice and we'll be back with you next week with a brand new episode and now into this teaching We'll go to Numbers, chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13. You can just, if you want to, you can put a marker there because we'll get to it at some point. Hallelujah. Numbers chapter 13. Guys, if you have that slide up there, you can go ahead and throw it up if you have it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk to you today about the the message, the title of the message is during first fruits, as as I was just seeing what the Lord was doing in the basket that was setting up here, and I just started seeing the fruit. I'm like, Lord, I, I know I know you're speaking to me about this. And and so I just started diving in. And I've kind of been there. We've been there in the school of the supernatural. We've been talking about things in the garden. We've been talking about um, the good land. And so I'm gonna kinda lean into that message a little bit this morning on becoming gardeners in the good land. Becoming a gardener in the good land. And so with that message, uh, I was just, as I kept pressing in and kept asking the Lord to see, see in this and how we've entered a new era. You know, we've talked about the new era. And so practically, what does that look like? And in the new era, you know, it was a new era for the Israelites when they crossed over. It was a new era when they stepped into the land that had been promised for generations. When they stepped into the land uh, that had been promised, just it's almost a picture of us having a promise of revival, a promise of awakening, a promise of outpouring. They stepped into everything that they had heard, and and and, and it was a generation. There was a generation that missed it, but then the gener- there was a generation that believed the good report and was able to inherit the land, able to step into the fullness of things. And so we're going to dive into that. Um, today, I want you to actually go with me. Hallelujah. We're just going to go with it. Thank you, Lord. One of the things that 
as you cross over into the good land, there's some things you've got to leave behind. Some things you've got to leave behind. See, the generation that I'm just going to talk for just a few minutes here, the generation that said yes to the new era, the generation that said yes to the new land, the generation that said, yes, I'm crossing over, there was a layer of flesh that had to be removed. They had to be circumcised so they could actually step into the fullness of promise. So that tells me that something had to get left behind before I can step into the newness. Something had to be removed so I can step into the fullness of what he has promised. Some of those things are mindsets. Some of those things are mindsets. We talked a while back about how the church is shifting from the woe is me church to the here I am send me church. Because they've encountered the place of burning. They've encountered the place of fire. Just like Isaiah had the the fiery coals come from the altar and touched his lips. It changed his language for the new era that he was about to enter into. So one of those mindsets, one of those things that we have to change is we can't allow to have a wilderness mindset in the land of promise. We can't have a wilderness mindset in the land of promise and be successful and be fruitful. See, oh Jesus, thank you Lord. If we have a wilderness mindset when we step into the land of promise, when we step into that land, we'll end up forfeiting the fruit that has been given to us. And I said given to us. Hallelujah. Stay, stay in numbers. And actually, we're going to go over here because we're going to have to hit this mindset first. Thank you, Lord. Go to Numbers chapter 23. We'll come back to Numbers 13 here in a little bit. Numbers chapter 23. And guys, I don't think I probably didn't give you these verses. Hallelujah. Let's look at verse 11. Most of us know this story where Balaam, who was functioning in, as a prophet, Balak had came to Balaam and said, look, I recognize what's happening with Jacob or the nation of Israel and they're being blessed. They're coming after what I have. I I, I want you to release a curse on them. I want you to prophesy a curse to hinder their their advancement. I want you to prophesy uh, against them. So Numbers 23 verse 11, it says, And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse my enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them all together. And so over in verse Chapter, or chapter 23, verse 6, it says, And he returned to him, lo, stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his parable and said, Balak the king Moab hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come defy Israel. In verse 8, this is when we have to really get in our spirit here. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? How shall I defy whom the Lord has not defied? Whom shall I curse? If the Lord hasn't cursed them, then I definitely can't curse them. If the Lord has blessed them, then I can't release anything that can hinder them. The only thing that can hinder them is if they partake of the cursed thing. Come on. 
I've blessed them. I've given them every good gift. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. The only way that a curse can function is if we come into agreement with it. I don't have time to teach it in this setting to, to really break all that down and show you, but I'm telling you, He redeemed us from every curse. Matter of fact, He redeemed us from the curse of the law, not the curse of Adam. Man was not cursed. He was judged. He was sentenced, but he was not cursed. Let's go, let's go to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis. Come on, we're going to deal with this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Go to the book of Genesis. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter, let's just look at chapter 1, verse 22. Hallelujah. Actually, I've got to back up. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. This is the third day. And we've talked about this at some level already, but I just want to review real quick. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And we've talked about the law of the seed, which is what? The seed reproduces after its kind. You don't sow, you know, tomato seeds and get cantaloupe, Right? You don't sow watermelon seeds and end up with oranges, right? So the seed reproduces after its kind. So the fourth day he comes, he separates the lights from the day and the night. The fifth day comes and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that has life, the fowl that, uh, that flies above the earth and open the firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature. This is verse 21. Moveth with the waters, both brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after its kind. And God saw that it was what? Good. Hallelujah. Verse 22. And God what? He blessed the fish and he blessed the fowls, right? Saying, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters in the sea, and let the fowl multiply the earth. And in the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Here we are on the sixth day. And God said, Let earth bring forth the living creature after its kind. Cattle, creeping thing, beast of the earth after its kind, and it was so. Verse 25, and God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle and every kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after its kind, and God saw that it was good. Notice there was no blessing there. It was good, but it wasn't blessed. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let, let them, notice he said them. He already knew Eve was going to come forth. Just let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the, over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing. You might want to underline that one. Hallelujah. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in what? His own image. In the image of God created he, him. Male and female created he, them. Verse 28, here's one you definitely want to highlight. Genesis 1, 28. And God what? Blessed them. 
And God said unto them, he blessed them. He, he made them in his own image and his own likeness. And then he released a blessing on them. On the other things that was there upon, in, in, on the fifth day, he saw the fowl and the fish. He said, those things are good and I'm going to bless the fowl and the fish. But then he got to the beast of the field and the cattle and the creeping thing. He said it was good, but he didn't release a blessing on it. It was good, but there was no blessing on it. Hmm. And he says, I, I, in, uh, verse 29, And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in the which, which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for food. I want you going over. Also on the seventh day, it says, God bless the seventh day. And that's a whole other message too. I want you to go over to verse 5. Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. Genesis chapter 2, verse 5. Hallelujah. It says, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, for there was not a man to till the ground. So again, we've talked about this one before, that there was no outpouring of rain. There was a dew, there was a mist that came up from the ground that actually watered the ground. Why? Because there was no man to steward the outpouring. There was no man to till the land, so he didn't send rain yet. He didn't send rain until there was a man that was able to till the ground. So, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. The Lord formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils in the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish or fill, subdue, have dominion. And then he said two other things. He said to tend and keep. Tend and keep. We're going to look at these things here in just a second. Hallelujah. Look at what the Lord did. Verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put man whom he had formed. Notice he planted Eden. We just think the Garden of Eden, is, that's just it. No, Eden was a large place. Eden was a large land. And in this region of Eden, he decided to put a garden. And he said, I'm going to put men there to steward the garden in this region of Eden. So he, first he had a land that was separated, and then when he had the land that was separated, he formed a man to steward the land. There's a land that's been separated unto him, and he's looking for a body to come till that region of the land. That's why you're called here. He ordains our boundaries and the times in which we should live. And you've been ordained and you, for, for this boundary. If you're in this region, this is the region, this is the garden he's called you to till. This is the garden that he's formed you in his likeness and his image to get busy working, reproducing his likeness and his image in this land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so... Again, we know the Lord planted a garden. It says, Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And it talks about a river, the, river, the four different rivers that, that come out. Let's go on down. Let's go on down. Let's look at verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely, what? 
die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Hallelujah. I will make him a help meet for him. It's not good. They were blessed, but it still wasn't good. He saw it was good. And then he said, I blessed them. He was already prophesying that he was going to have another come. Adam was formed from the dust. Eve was formed from where? Adam. So the blessing was already there for her. She was created in the blessing. We're going somewhere. Hang on. Hang on, hang on. Again, they shall be one. Let's go to, just go to three. Let's go to three. Chapter three. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, You hath, yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. See, here, here's the whole thing that we're, Eve added to the word of the Lord. There was nothing about touching. It says the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That was the original command. The day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. But here, because of her conversation, she got her words twisted, she got her mind twisted, and started adding two things. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and... Were they blind before? Were they blind before? Then how were their eyes going to be opened? What were their eyes going to be opened to? To what? No, not, not just knowledge. What type of knowledge? Knowledge of what? Good and evil. So what was the knowledge they had before that? Come on. Come on. You're getting it. What was the knowledge they had before the fall? Before that? The goodness of God in the land of the living. But a serpent came and preached a false gospel about everlasting life. Saying, if you'll eat of this tree, you'll live forever. Your eyes will be open. You'll be like him. They were already like him. Did we not just read it? They were already in his likeness and already in his image. But they believed a false gospel. They believed that they weren't like him already. <laughs> They didn't believe the identity that had been imputed to them. They didn't believe that they were made in his likeness and his image and that he blessed them in it. Some of us were okay with identity, but we're not good with blessing. There, they were in complete identity in the likeness and image of God and blessed. And the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, if you will. And faith comes by hearing, period. Hearing actually comes by the word of God, but faith comes by hearing. Faith, I can attach my faith to whatever I'm listening to. If I'm listening to the things of the Lord, I can take my faith and attach it over here, and I'm going to empower what I've attached my faith to. But if I'm believing a negative thing, 
If I'm believing a lie of the enemy and I attach my faith to the lie of the enemy over here, now I've empowered the liar and he has access to manifest the lie in my life. It's called the power of agreement. It works both ways. So the serpent was preaching a false gospel. He says, don't you know in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. See, the Lord never wanted to know and have knowledge of evil. He wanted their, his, their minds to be on walking with him in the cool of the day, completely naked and unashamed. Look what their eyes were open to the day that they ate. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and that the tree desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof she took the fruit thereof, hallelujah, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they what? Sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Sewed fig leaves together. They knew that they were naked. They were naked before. What had happened now? An evil conscience. An evil conscience came. They started having for the first time thoughts about each other that God didn't have about them. For the first time, they started having wrong thoughts about one another. And even more importantly, they had wrong thoughts about Him. They had wrong thoughts about the presence of God. So much so, look what they did. They, they immediately took of the fig leaves and started covering their nakedness. See, that's what shame likes to do. It likes to keep things covered. It likes to keep things covered and keep us from the presence of God. If we don't understand that we're made in His likeness and His image and we have a, an evil conscience or a mixture of good and evil conscience, He's good for them, but He's evil towards me. If we have, that's an ashamed mindset. That's a manifestation of shame and an orphan mentality in our life. And we'll back up and we'll try to cover ourselves from the presence of God. Oh. And the woman saw the tree was good and says... And their eyes of them both were open. This is verse 7. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. And they heard the voice. Number 8. Look what it says. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Even in a sin state, they heard the voice of God. Saying, where are you? They heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the what? Trees. Oh, Jesus. They hid themselves among the trees. So the fig leaf wasn't good enough covering. So what did they do? I've got to hide behind a tree. Now there's a tree that's separating me from the presence of God. You're about to see the beauty of the gospel in a few minutes. Now there was a tree that was separating me from the presence of God. And they heard the voice and he says, and the Lord God called unto Abram, or Adam, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? 
And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. And, and I hid myself. So notice fear and shame has now come into the garden. Fear and shame has now come into the mindset. The evil conscience is a conscience that, that is dwelt on fear and shame and sees the Lord wrongly. It sees the Lord wrongly and sees each other wrongly. And the Lord God, he said, and the Lord said unto the woman, what is that that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. Verse 14, and the Lord said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art what? Above all the cattle, above all the beasts of the field. Remember over in Genesis 1? They were good, the cattle, of the, field, the cattle and the beasts of the field, and every creeping thing. It was good, but it wasn't blessed. Why? Because Numbers 23 verse 8 says, I, He cannot curse what He blesses. He said it was good, but He left the blessing out. Because in this foreknowledge, he knew what was going to happen. He said, Thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. What are we made of? Dust of the earth. So that's why the enemy tries to come and attack. Just sidebar. I will put enmity between thee and thy woman, and between the seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow, in sorrow shalt thou bring forth, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Did it say anything about cursing Eve there? Did it say anything about cursing Eve there? And Adam said, because thou, and, and he said unto Adam, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat, eat of it. Here it is. Here's the big kicker. Cursed is Adam. What does it say? Come on, I want you to look at it. What does it say? Cursed is the ground. The ground. Why? For thy sake. He couldn't curse them because he had already blessed them. He couldn't curse them. He had already blessed them. They were made in his likeness and his image, right? I know this is going against all kinds of religious tradition and doctrine, but that's good. Fruit denies doctrine. They were made in his likeness and his image. And he blessed them. So he said, I can't curse you, but I can sentence you. Cursed is the ground for your sake. And then look what happens. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Pay attention here. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field in the sweat of thy face. I want you to underline that. Highlight that, make a bookmark, tap it on your screen, whatever. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make God coats of skin and 
clothe them. He made coats of skin and clothed them. So notice he said, okay, I'm going to give you new garments. First you tried to cover yourself with a fig leaf. That didn't work. Then you tried to hide from me from behind a tree. And so that, you, uh, you're trying to access me through this tree, and that's not going to work. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cover you in these new skins. It's going to be a temporary thing until the seed of the woman can come and birth and, re- and redeem everything that was forfeited in this garden. I want you to look at the mercy and the love of a father right here. Genesis 3.22 And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know what? And now, lest he put forth his hand to take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, anytime there's a therefore there, you've got to stop and look and see what is the therefore Therefore, it connects the verses above to the verses below. And so here he says, Therefore, God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to what? Till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out man and he placed at the east of garden of Eden cherubims and a what? Flaming sword turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Do you see what he did? If they, in their sin state, in their conscience that's been mixed with goodness and evil, if they would have partook now of the tree of life in that state, they would forever live with the knowledge of good and evil. He said, I don't want them to live that way. So I'm going to say, get out of the garden for now. And I'm going to guard this way so they won't come and eat and have the same knowledge like this. I don't want them to forever have the mixture of good and evil in their minds. I hope you're hearing this. I don't forever want them to be double-minded. A double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. I don't want them to have this mixture in their mindset of knowledge of good and evil. I want them to be just as the way it was in the garden before they partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I want to have that fellowship and communion with them the way it was before they partook of the wrong tree. And there we have the gospel. For he sends the last Adam, not a second Adam. There's not a third. It's the last Adam, Jesus. The seed of the woman. woman. Women don't carry seed. They carry eggs. A little biology lesson. <laughs> Come on. Some of y'all know. Hallelujah. Men carry seed. Women carry eggs. But here he was prophesying about a woman that was going to have seed. It's called the immaculate conception. That's called a virgin birth. He was concealing the virgin birth from the very beginning. He said, this is my plan. He declares the end from the beginning. So even from the book of beginnings, he was saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to restore everything that was forfeited by the first Adam by sending a last Adam. 
And just as the enemy used a tree promising eternal life and revelation, just as the enemy used a tree to bring distance between you and me, I'm going to take that same thing and I'm going to turn it around. And I'm going to use a tree to bring you back into me. You hid behind a tree when my presence came in the garden because you didn't see yourselves rightly because you had an evil and a mixed conscience. But I'm going to sin. The Son of God, through a virgin birth, to restore an incorruptible seed. And that seed is going to restore all things that's been forfeited. And now you're going to come to a tree to have everlasting life and to have an image that was marred, an image made in the likeness and image of God. You're going to come to a tree and get that image restored. <sighs> and I want you to do it without an evil conscience. I want to destroy shame. I want to destroy guilt. I want to destroy condemnation. I want you to come to me naked and unashamed. I want to walk with you. I want to fellowship with you. Just the way it was back then. Hallelujah. See, they were told seven different things there that they were going to be doing. They were told the original mandate was what? Be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, have dominion. And then you've got to go on over to, to the other verses there when he put them in the garden. He told them to tend it and to keep it. Right? Seven manifold things. Seven things that they were supposed to do in the garden. Fruitful, we know that literally means to what? bear fruit. Jesus said, I would that you bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. By this they will know that you're my disciples. Is that you bear much. If I'm bearing his fruit, that tells me what seed I'm a part of. The law of the seed reproduces after its... <laughs> Multiply. It literally means to become many, to become numerous. It's not us four and no more. It's called discipleship. Reproducing the likeness and the image of God. Paul said, I labor to see Christ what? Formed in you. Reproducing the image of God. Fill. It literally means to fullness. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to have a bunch of fruit. And I want it to be full. <laughs> Don't stop for anything short of fullness. Don't, he's the God of the finished work. So don't stop for anything short of fullness. Whatever you're believing for, whatever you're contending for, don't stop until you see the fullness of that thing manifested. Yeah. Hallelujah. Subdue. Subdue. That literally means to tread down or to bring to subjection. What are we to do with those thoughts that, that exalt itself against the knowledge of God? See, it's trying to exalt itself against the knowledge. So I take that thought, I bring it unto the subjection of Christ. I bring it under the authority of the dominion that he gave me from the garden. And I say, uh-uh, I don't allow this thought to have any access in me. 
I don't allow this thought, I don't come into agreement with this thought because if I do, it'll, it'll, I'll attach my faith to it and then it starts multiplying because the law of the seed works. Whether it's a tear or a wheat. It says that when, the, when, when while men slept, because that means the men, they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, right? In the parable of the sower. While men slept, the enemy came and what? Sowed tares among the wheat. They weren't tending to the garden. They weren't keeping the garden. So to, rule, to have dominion, to rule over or prevail against. He's called me to rule over those things that would try to rule over me. To have dominion over the mindsets. To have dominion over, over, over everything that would try to have dominion over me. To prevail against. Tend, that literally means to work or till the ground. To work or till the ground and keep. The Hebrew word there is shamar, and it literally means to keep, to guard, and to observe. So those seven functions that we're to be doing in the garden, those are the seven functions we're to be doing in this new era. Those are the seven functions that we're supposed to be seeing. We're supposed to be fruitful. We're supposed to be multiplying. We're supposed to see fullness. We're supposed to have dominion, rule over the things that would try to rule over us. And we're supposed to tend. That, that means we have to prune things every now and then. We have to prune things. Then we have to keep. We have to guard the precious things that we have so that that serpent won't try to come in the garden and start whispering again. So we have to guard those things. We are to bear fruit to increase the fullness. To tread down anything that would hinder and prevent this. We are to rule over it versus it ruling over us. We are to work this land and work the word with faith. That's what he's saying. That's what he's called us to. We've got to have our mindsets Shifted. Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. We're about to land this thing, I believe. Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. I haven't forgot about numbers. We're coming there. Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. I want you to see this. This was the prophetic word that the Lord gave to the children of Israel. This is what he said. I have come down to deliver thee out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land. What kind of land? Large. large. What, kind, what else kind of land? Not a good and evil land. A good and large land. A land what? Flowing with milk and honey. <laughs> to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Parasites and you name them. <laughs> There's enough ites there to go around. <laughs> Hallelujah. A land flowing with milk and honey. Oh man, we're going to break these down one day. A land flowing with milk and honey. That tells me, it, through research, it wasn't cattle. It was goats. It was goat milk. Any goat milk drinkers in the house? Yeah, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. It was goats. 
And there's been some controversy on this last one, but I believe it's both. The honey. Automatically, we think what? Bees. It was in 2007 that they found, in one of the tales up in the north of Israel, they actually found um, some beehives um, that date back to the 10th century B.C., proving that there was some bees in the land. But the big argument is that most, most of the honey is not honey from the bees, but it's honey from fruit. It's a fruit nectar from the date palm tree. So the land flowing with milk and honey is a land that's filled with goat, goats and palm trees. And if you know anything about goats, <laughs> they can be a little stubborn. So even in your promised land, one of the things you might have to deal with, stubbornness. Hmm. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We'll come back to that one day. Hallelujah. Numbers 13. Let's go there now. Remember what he said. This was the word to him. He said, I've come down, to, I brought you out of the Egyptians to bring you into the land that is good and large. A land that is flowing with what? Milk and honey. And then he lists some of the enemies that are there. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, Perizzites, Jebusites, all the ites, right? Numbers chapter 13, let's go there. Hallelujah. Numbers chapter 13. Thank you, Lord. We're going to learn how to garden in this new era. Garden in the, new, in the good land. Numbers chapter 13. And let's look at verse 17. It says, And Moses sent, to them, sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said to them, Go up this way into the south, and go up to the mountains. Notice there was mountains in the south, but anyway. Hallelujah. A little plug for the Smoky Mountains. The mountains are calling if you're watching. Hallelujah. The mountains are calling and you must go. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, go into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. To see what the land is like. We already know what the land is like. The Lord told us. Right? Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now that, now that time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Verse 21, So they went up and spied out the land of the wilderness, and as, as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath, and they went up through the south and came to Hebron. And I want you to Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talama. And it says, the descendants of Anak. I want you to write that down or underline it. The descendants of Anak were there. That was a race of giants. That was the descendants of a giant race. And it says, now Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. And it says, they came to the valley of Eskol. And there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between the two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranate and figs. And this, the place was called the Valley of Eskol because, the, because of the cluster. Eskol there literally means cluster. So you can call it the Valley of the Cluster. The Valley of the Cluster. Because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down. 25, we're going to keep going through here. 
And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. How long were they there? 40 days. It's a pretty good amount of time to, to inspect the land, right? It's a pretty good amount of time to hear the language of the land. That's a pretty good amount of time to see the land scape, to, to recognize what was happening in the land. I don't know about you, but I'd like to spend about 40 days in, in, in some uh, uh, Mediterranean island somewhere so I could spy out the land, right? So 40 days is a good amount of time to be in the land. <laughs> so 40 days. They saw the fruit of the land. And it says, then Caleb, it says, I'm going to go to the Malachites. They departed, verse 26. Now they departed and came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them that all the congregation showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly what? Here, I want you to pay attention. It truly what? Flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountain, and the Canaanites dwell by sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Did you hear what just happened? We can get lost a lot of times there, but did you see what just happened? It was proof they were in the exact spot they needed to be. In Exodus, the Lord prophesied, I'm giving you a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey, right? But he also said, here's the other markers that you're going to know that's there. The Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Perizzites, the Hittites. And if you see all these things in this land, you'll know that's the land I've called you to. That's the land I want you to possess. But he left out one thing. He left out the descendants of Anak. He, when the Lord prophesied that to them in the book of Exodus, when he prophesied, I'm giving you this good land, he said, I'm giving you a land flowing milk and honey, and it's going to be awesome. It's a good land, it's a large land, and yeah, you're going to have to deal with some enemies there. There's, there's the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Parasites, all them guys. But you've handled that before. He never mentioned the giants. Why? Because he never mentioned the giants until they go see for themselves. It just, when I was reading that, it just baffled me that he doesn't want our focus to be on the giants. He tells you what he thinks about the giants by not even mentioning them. If he said he's given it to you, guess what? He's given it to you. We've got to change our mentality. We can't have a wilderness mindset in the land of promise. We can't be magnifying the giant and minimizing our God. He said, I don't want you to even be focused on the giant. I want you to focus on the fruit. Focus on my word. Did I not say it was going to be a land flowing with milk and honey? Did I not say there was going to be fruit there? And you, you matter of fact, you brought fruit all the way back. What's the problem? Well, I just can't do this. You know, the, the giant's over here and this, that. I, I can't function. I can't, you know, I can't door greet or I can't serve on. I can't do this because all the. What's the problem? He he's called you into it. Change your mindset. I can't start that business. I can't do this. I can't do that. He's given you a good and large land. 
He's given you a good and large land. Let's keep looking. Then Caleb, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses said, let us go up at once and take possession. Caleb was ready to go. Is there any Caleb's in this house? Is there any Caleb's in this house ready to take this region? Come on. I'm ready to go. I don't know about you. I'm ready to advance. Hallelujah. Caleb said, let us go up once and take possession. For we are all, well, we are well able to overcome it. But if you have a good and evil mindset, you won't see yourself as well able to overcome. If you're still feasting from the wrong tree, you won't see yourself as well able to overcome. Hallelujah. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. And, it says, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. We were like grasshoppers. Listen to their confession. Listen to their language. Listen, because they had the mixture in their mindset with the knowledge of good and evil. It was a good report that Caleb and Joshua came back with, right? What was the word of the Lord over the land? It was a good land, right? It was a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He didn't mention anything about evil. It was a good land. He didn't mention anything about the giants. It was a good land. Is the Lord a liar? So if he calls the land good, and I come back with a different language, if I come back and say, he might call that good, but that's evil land. I've just now called good evil and evil good. And I'm going to forfeit the fruit that's been promised to me and my descendants. Talking about legacy. But the men had gone up and said, we're not able. We look like grasshoppers in our own sight. Notice the mindset of mixture, the mindset of the knowledge of good and evil. You don't see yourself the way he sees you. You see yourself the way you think the enemy sees you. I believe those 12 spies that were sent into that land for 40 days, depending on how good of a spy they were or not, some of them could have been seen. And if not, they, that, if they weren't seen, that's okay. They could still have been really good spies and, 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 and be well hid, but they could still hear conversation of the people of the land and hear the conversation of the giants. What do we have to worry about these Israelites? They're small. We're strong. We've got fortified cities. There, there's no way they can come against us. They look like just grasshoppers. Imagine those giants were speaking and talking. Why? Because Goliath was a speaker and a talker. So they were speaking in the land, I believe. Those spies heard the report of the giants. Said, we look like grasshoppers in their sight. And so when they came back, they said, forget what the Lord said. I'm going to agree with what these giants are saying. 
And it says, because of their evil report, that generation missed out on stepping into the promise. And God raised up another generation. A generation that didn't have the mixture. Let's look at it. We know that Moses makes intercession because the Lord was done with them right then. But <laughs> Moses makes intercession through Numbers 14 all the way down. Numbers 14, verse 20. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Moses made intercession on behalf of the people. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have put me to the test these ten times and have not heeded my voice. What voice did they heed? The enemy's voice. Certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different Spirit, this is verse 24, in, uh, has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. See, stepping into the new era, stepping into the land of promise is not just about you, it's about the legacy coming behind you. And only those that have a different spirit, a spirit to step in the land of promise, will be able to say yes to it. They, they're not, they see the giants, but they're not moved by the giants. They're moved at the word of the Lord. I want you to go to Deuteronomy 139, and I'm going to land this plane here. Deuteronomy 139. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 39. As Moses, as Joshua and Caleb and the ten others released the negative report, and Joshua and Caleb released the good report, the Lord came and spoke to Moses. Moses was making intercession on behalf of the people. And it says, and all the congregation was ready to stone Moses. And, he said to, and all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? Moses continues to make the intercession. Deuteronomy 1. I'm going to go back just a little bit. It says, Look, your Lord God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it. This is verse 21. As the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you, do not fear or be discouraged. What did they have to leave behind? Fear and discouragement. And every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us which we should go up in the cities into which we shall come. And the plan pleased me well. So I took 12 of your men, 
one from each tribe, and they departed, went to the mountains, and came to the valley of Eskol, and spied it out. And they also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands, and brought it down to us. And they brought back word to us, saying, It is a good land, which the Lord our God is giving us. Nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you complained in your tents. Verse 27. You complained in your, the word complain there, some translations say murmur. The word murmur means to whisper. You whispered in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of, the, out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites and to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of, of, the, of the Anakim there. Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son and all the way that you went until you came to this place who went in the way before you to search out a place and to pitch your tents to show you the way you should go. Verse 27, look what they said. Because the Lord hates us. They were on the threshold of entering the very thing that had been promised to them. And because they had a mixture in their mindset of the knowledge of good and evil. It was a good report and an evil report that was released. And some attached their faith to the evil report and two attached their faith to the good report. And because they had that mixture, they didn't see themselves rightly. We look like grasshoppers in their sight. They didn't see themselves rightly. And more importantly, they didn't see the Father rightly. They now said, He hates us. Same tactic from the garden. Same tactic from Adam and Eve. It's the same tactic He's using against you right now. the same tactic. We're on the verge. We're, we've stepped in. Some of us are stepping in. It was a lot of people coming over. So some are forerunning and they're already in the good land. Some are still coming. But you've got a choice to make. Am I going to choose the fruit of the good land? Or am I going to choose the fear of the giant? I want you to stand to your feet. See, one of the things that they were murmuring, one of the things that they were murmuring in their tent was like, is God really not going to allow us to inherit the promise? Well, what about our children? He said, that, those children, those children, I'm going to use them to inherit the promise because you couldn't get your mind right. Because you said that my goodness is evil. Because you came into agreement with the giants. I told you land was good and it was flowing milk and honey. And matter of fact, you brought fruit back, proving my word was true. Yet you still chose not to go in and possess the land. And so they murmured in their tents or they whispered in their tents, well, what about our children? 
Deuteronomy 1, 39. Moreover, your little ones and your children, who say, who you say, the Lord was listening to what they said. This is the Lord talking to the people. He said, moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge, listen, no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there. To them I will give it, and they shall possess it. What was the key for the little ones to inherit? They didn't have the mixture in their minds. <laughs> they didn't have the mixture. See, everything that was forfeited in the first garden was redeemed and bought back for us. Part of the sentencing that came to Adam was what? By the sweat of your brow. See, the original mandate was still in effect. He was told to be fruitful. He was told to multiply. He was told to subdue. He was told to have dominion. Everything that he was going to do, he was still had to tend to the garden. He still, had to work, he still had to work the land. But now sorrow was added to it. And the landscape changed. It went from the, uh, a blessed land to, or a, a land that was fruitful to a land that now he's having to work among what? Thorns and thistles. And it said, by the sweat of the brow, you're going to have to do this. And so for thousands of years, that's how man lived. Until. Hallelujah. Until. Oh, hallelujah. I want you to listen to this verse. Paul was talking. Now the purpose of this commandment, 1 Timothy 1.5. Now the purpose of this commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience. And from sincere faith. He said again in another place, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected. What was the result of them rejecting faith and a good conscience? They made a shipwreck of their faith. 2 Timothy 1.3, he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. As my forefathers did without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. What type? Full. Fullness. Full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Hallelujah. And our bodies washed with pure water. Having our hearts, our minds sprinkled from an evil conscience. Hebrews 13, 18 says, Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things, desiring to live honorably. Oh, hallelujah. Hebrews 9, 9. 
It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. That was talking about the old priestly order. But then there was a new priest that came on the scene. And it says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Death has no grip, but do I have a grip on death? He's cleaned my conscience so I can let go of the dead things. The first Adam forfeited the fellowship and the communion. When the presence of the God showed up, he had to hide himself with shame behind a tree. Lord said, I'm not happy. I'm going to use what the enemy meant for evil. And listen, I'm going to turn it to the good. And I'm going to use a tree to bring people back into presence and fellowship with me. I'm going to restore their image that was marred with sin and now in shame and guilt and fear. And everything that's been marred, I'm going to mar that and nail it to a tree. So that I can bring out sons and daughters that look just like me. The way it did back in the garden. I'm even going to redeem your work by the sweat of the brow Adam had to till in the land right through thorns and thistles but the last Adam came and showed up in the garden knelt down and prayed and prayer became as his sweat became what as great drops of blood why he was redeeming everything that Adam forfeited Everything that Adam had to work and till and sweat through thorns and thistles that he started in the garden. Now the last Adam came to this garden and started praying and sweating great drops of blood, redeeming the work of the original mandate. And then he nailed him. He was nailed to a cross and thorns and thistles was put on his mind to purify our mindset to cleanse our conscience from the evil works to get us feasting awake to get us feasting on his tree of life and not the tree of knowledge of good and evil I would that you bear fruit and that your fruit would remain by this they'll know that you're my disciples because you've been born again of an incorruptible seed A seed that recognizes the goodness of God. We're not ignorant of the enemy's devices. But I'm not moved by them. I'm not moved by them. I'm moved by his voice. I'm moved by his word. I'm moved by his fellowship. I have communion with him. I've been brought near to him by the blood of Christ. Generational curses have no place in me. What part of the blood of Jesus is not strong enough to break that curse? 
What part of the blood of Jesus is not purified, pure enough to purify you from that curse? Quit rehearsing the curse. Transform the mind. We've been blessed. He paid a high price to return the blessing back to us. I used to have a poverty mindset where I I thought it was humble to live that way. He's not called me to be a monk. He's called me to manifest him throughout all the world. I recognize the value of the blood of Jesus and what he paid to bring me back into the blessing. Why would I not want that? Why would I believe that he can save me and heal me but not bless me? When from the very beginning he did all those things and we forfeited it. But he thought enough of it to send his son to bring it back to us. Hallelujah. So here's what I want to do. If we've crossed over, you can't cross over into the fullness. You'll forfeit the fruit of the promised land if you still have an evil conscience. If you still have a wilderness conscience in the land of promise, you'll forfeit the fruit of inheritance in this new season, in this new era. So if you know that there's something there that that he needs to purify, he needs to sprinkle his blood on, I don't care how small or how big, if you need him to sprinkle that blood on your mindset, I want you to make a place right down here, right now. Come on now, don't wait. Don't wait, I don't care, don't wait on the lights. You come on right now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more episodes and ways to partner with us, please go to remnantvoice.tv or email info at remnantvoice.tv. Please join us again soon for another exciting message from Pastor Jason Armstrong.